When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Adam Patrick. All right. Welcome to the Viking Age Podcast, the official podcast for the Vikingage.com. I'm your host, Adam Patrick. I'm the editor and uh, the lead writer for the Viking Age, and I've been with the site since uh, 2016. So before we get started, I just want to let everyone know you can find this show on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure to go and subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast provider if you haven't already. And also make sure to follow The Viking Age on Twitter and Facebook. The site's username on Twitter is at the Viking Age. You can also follow the site's Facebook page by heading to facebook.com slash the Viking Age. All right, let's get into some Vikings talk. Uh, we didn't play very good today. It's hard for me to figure out, um, you know, how we can continue to get better and play play like we did a week ago and then play as poorly as we did this week. We didn't do very many things right, and uh, we got to get it, get it fixed. On today's show, our guest is Dustin Baker. He is part of the Viking Age staff. And if you have a Twitter account, you've probably come across his account that posts about 75 different Viking stats a day. I'm not really exaggerating. That's that's what he does. Uh, but before we talk to Dustin, I just wanted to offer some of my own feelings about the Viking season so far. So, obviously, things haven't gone according to plan for the Vikings this season. They're 1-5. in five after their first six games for the first time since 2013 when Leslie Frazier was the coach. And and getting to the playoffs for the second year in a row, it, it just it doesn't look like it's going to happen for, for the Vikings this year. Yes, they still have a chance. They haven't been mathematically eliminated yet, but it just it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year. And that's that's disappointing with the the expectations that this team had in had heading into the season of, you know, competing for the NFC North and, you know, potentially getting back to the playoffs for for the second year in a row. So instead of being in the hunt for the NFC North uh crown or a spot in the postseason this year, there's calls for Mike Zimmer's job, Rick Spielman's job, and there's a number of Vikings that are reportedly on the trade block right now before the trade deadline comes up in, in a few a few days. Um, and some of these names include Adam Thielen and Harrison Smith. So basically anyone is on the table for the Vikings right now to, to be traded um, as they, I'm, I'm guessing, are looking ahead to 2021 right now as, as 2020 just, you know, isn't going their way. So, you know, I'm typically an optimistic person glass half full kind of guy but the Vikings last loss it was it was just super deflating 
There was some hope that they could turn things around after giving the Titans and, and Seahawks, you know, a pretty good run for their money, only losing to those teams by one point. And those teams are two of the best teams in the NFL this year. But but losing to the winless Falcons last week, and not just losing, getting embarrassed by the Falcons inside U.S. Bank Stadium, you know, that basically put to rest any hope of the Vikings turning things around this season. Now, I would love for the Vikings to make the playoffs this year still. Yes, of course I would. I couldn't care less if they get a top five pick in next year's draft. I really couldn't. Some Vikings fans want the team to, you know, maybe tank, get a high draft pick uh, next year so they can get one of the top quarterback prospects. But, I mean, if you look at a number of the top quarterbacks in the NFL this year, um, a lot of them weren't even drafted in in the top 10 of of the draft. You look at guys like Lamar Jackson and, and Aaron Rodgers, they, those, those guys weren't top 10 picks, and they're two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today. And then there's even guys who are some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now that weren't even drafted in the first round, like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees, obviously Tom Brady, you know, so this whole tanking to get one of the top five picks, I just, I never understand it. It doesn't work in the NFL. This isn't the NBA where, you know, one one top pick can change the, the fortunes of a whole franchise. You look at, you know, teams who have had top picks in the past, maybe like the Bears, they get Mitchell Trubisky, the Jaguars drafting, you know, Blake Bortles, you know, getting a top pick is not a guarantee. Even the Vikings, when they got Matt Khalil. You know, he was expected to be their franchise left tackle for a number of years, and, and that went terribly. So looking ahead, the goal should still be for the Vikings to get a win every week, especially for as young as their roster is. They need these young guys to build up their confidence this year so that when they return to the field in 2021, the team is ready to be a contender again. So looking ahead to the rest of the season, the Vikings have 10 games left. If they're going to have any chance at making the playoffs, they will probably need to win at least eight of their final 10 games. I'm an optimist, but I'm also a realist, and that's probably not going to happen unless they've made some drastic changes during the bye week where we get to see if anything is different during their next game against the Packers and Green Bay. Um, A more realistic finish for the Vikings this year would probably be to end with like a seven to nine record. It's that's still disappointing given their expectations that they had, you know, coming into this year, but after their awful start ending the season with seven wins would, would probably still feel like some sort of an accomplishment for this team. So we'll see how it goes. It's, it's been unfortunate to watch so far this year, but um, that's enough for me. So let's talk to Dustin. All right. On today's show, our guest is Dustin Baker. He is part of the Viking Age staff. And if you have a Twitter account, you've probably come across his account that posts about 75 different Viking stats a day. That's that's probably not exaggerating. Um, he also contributes to a number of other websites with NFL content and Vikings related content. And he even has a Vikings podcast of his own called the Believe in Vikings podcast that he does with former Vikings offensive lineman Bryant McKinney each week. So go and check that out and make sure to follow Dustin on Twitter at Dust Baker. Um, now, Dustin, 
the Vikings current season has already been incredibly disappointing with a one and five start and not much going right for the franchise at this moment. But what I want to ask you is what are some of the things about this year's team that should excite the Vikings fan base? Excitements are few and far between. Um, for context, I, if you are on Twitter and you follow me or the Viking Age, um, I'm pretty optimistic about the Vikings, and I know that gets on folks' nerves, uh, but the Atlanta game was the last straw for me. Um, I had a, I guess, personal theory that because they went toe-to-toe with the Seahawks and played quite well, that they'd come uh, back home and take out the Falcons um, without a shadow of a doubt, and then they'd have the bye week and then on to Green Bay and see how the chips fall. But uh, the Falcons game was just a replay of the Colts game. So we know that that team lives in there and it's more than just an outlier. So I'm of the opinion that the ceiling now, barring some very strange turnaround, is probably six and ten, seven and nine, um, because I do think Zimmer will coach the team um, respectably for the rest of the way. They're not going to lay over and die. Um, Positives, though, uh, I am a good guy to ask about that. I think the (laughs) the corners, although they'll make you roll your eyes, the young ones, Dantzler and Gladney, I think they're progressing somewhat nicely um, per pro football focus. And they're going to get their opportunity for the rest of the year to go out there and battle because we think Mike Hughes is just kind of a question mark always for injuries. Uh, But the competition that they've faced has been upper echelon with Devontae Adams in week one and then Julio Jones recently. And we got a we got a mulligan when A.J. Brown was out against the Titans. But so they're not playing great, but they're rookies and they need that time to mature. And then I think it's self-evident that Justin Jefferson is a lot better than I even forecasted. Um, One of my dirty little secrets is that I don't really do college football. So when I get into draft time, I just read and study. Um, so the most of you listeners out there that are the gurus, like I call myself, know a lot more about college football in the draft than I do. So when it came to selecting a wide receiver this year, I was like, I ah, just pick one of them. They'll be fine. But I would. that's why I'm not the general manager. Uh, Jefferson has been a find and I mean, almost a steal now. And I've, I've told my wife who watches all the games with me that I'm already at a point when the ball goes in the air to him. I have the same level of confidence that I had with Diggs. Like it's just going to mm-hmm. be caught. And I never had that with Treadwell, and I don't have that with the other receivers minus Thielen. So the fact that I can emotionally think like, oh, we're good, um, like, and he hasn't really – he made one mistake on a bad route that he ran. I think that was week one or week two. Uh, but, yeah, I, I already think that he is on par with Diggs, and that's through what? six games so and then uh dalvin before his little injury that was another positive because he's showing that he deserves the money and that he and madison are not interchangeable although madison probably could thrive if we had a regular season that was going well uh but dalvin is that type of marshall falk playmaker where he's dynamic um he's shifty so to speak he's a slasher and then he can also run you over which is which stands him apart from the scat backs of yesteryear so young corners developing um Justin Jefferson is just obvious. And then the fact that paying Dalvin uh, looks like it was the right move and he should be a Viking for five more years. Yeah, I would, I would agree with all those. I'd even add maybe the progression of Irv Smith at tight end. They've been trying to get him more involved recently. And I think that's, that's working out well. It's looking to maybe, maybe make Kyle Rudolph a little more expendable as the, the trade deadline approaches. And then you can even maybe, if you're looking to maybe grasp at some, some straws or whatever here of the progression of Garrett Bradbury at center. It looks oh, like yes. he's, he's playing much better than he was 
as a rookie, you know, there's not much positive to say about the Vikings offensive line. There never is, um, especially under Rick Spielman. But you can look at someone like him and, and be like, you can kind of have a little hope that maybe there's, you know, a good future for this this offensive line. Even Riley Reef. Riley Reef has been playing a lot better than he has in the past. And but unfortunately, he's now probably on the uh, the trade market as he's getting older and and teams are always going to be looking for a, you know, a solid left tackle, even, you know, if he's not the Pro Bowl, ca- Pro Bowl caliber, all pro caliber type of left tackle that teams are looking for. They just need some help at this point in the season, and the Vikings might be able to get something lucrative in return for him. But, yeah, other other than all that, um, there's not a whole lot to be excited about for the Vikings. Maybe that they are so young so that their maybe their potential is a little higher than maybe some other teams. They have a little bit more to look forward to. But that's also... If they keep maybe the same regime in charge, then, you know, if they bring someone in different, that next person might want to get rid of a bunch of these people and bring in his own guys and develop, you know, his own guys. So we'll see um, how that goes. But let's just get into one of the hottest topics uh, among the Vikings fan base this year. And that has to do with Kirk Cousins. Um, Cousins hasn't played well this year pretty obvious he's got 11 touchdowns but he's also thrown 10 interceptions i believe that's that's as much as he threw in 2018 his first season with the vikings so just what do you think is going on with the vikings quarterback this year this year is it play calling is it him missing stefan Diggs? is he just trying to do too much what what's going on with cousins well foremost the accountability is on him um i think i said in one of my shows recently that there's probably not a person on the planet that knows more about his statistics than me, um, just by osmosis and then so to, defending him, so to speak, on Twitter. So, uh, yes, he has played poorly. Um, the offensive line has not helped him, um, but they also didn't help him much 2018 or 2019. And he still was, in terms of the numbers, about a top, geez, top five passer in terms of uh, passer rating with touchdowns, completion percentage. So uh, the accountability is on him. Um, But you have to put it in perspective. So this is a rut. He has played poorly. I think he's trying to force some things, like along with the fact that he can escape now a little bit more, like he's been coached up on that. I think he's trying to be a little bit more risky. And we're seeing um, some of those mistakes. Uh, The one that he had to start the Falcons game was absolutely dumbfounding um, because there was no sense of urgency uh, like that he should have had at that point. There was no it didn't look like there was a dude running around route, just a totally boneheaded throw. So uh, foremost, the accountability is on him. But I want to say that he's 32 years old. And the way that we're talking about him reaching this decline all of a sudden is as if he's like 40 Mm -hmm. and 32 year olds are still in their prime. So I think it's a Yes, excuse me. Yeah, I think it's a lot more likely that this is a bad stretch for him that he turns around than all of a sudden he's just like Chad Pennington and he just sucks like, you know, in the middle of his career. Um, It's it's too late to salvage this season. Um, But if you want to look at the the hunky dory approaches, we still got a lot of money invested in him. So I don't think that you have this bottom bottom tier bottom feeding quarterback all of a sudden. I think that uh, he's played poorly through six games. And then, I mean, he wasn't complete trash in all of those games. It was those two games that you can spell out the Colts and the Falcons game where he was not good until, uh, you know, the game was decided. Uh, I think he will turn it around, but the question, which I'm sure you'll get into here is whether or not, um, 
you trust this going forward because we know, like I said about the team in general, we know that this performance from him lives in there. So do we trust him going into next year thinking, all right, well, those were some demons that he's fixed? Or are we always going to know he's going to have nasty stretches like this um, you know, inside of him that will show up at any time? Uh, so I am not all out on his performance, nor do I want to trade him or, I mean, the, the blasphemous, laughable thing of cutting him. Uh, yeah. I think the realistic prognosis, and I think I wrote about this a couple times now, is that no matter what happens, if he comes out and throws 25 straight touchdowns and one interception and the Vikings go 8-8 eight and eight or something like that, they're still going to take some semblance of quarterback in the next draft because it's it's a perfect insurance policy while you wind out uh, or ground out the years on his contract. Um, and hopefully you got the guy that's back in the saddle, the one that's astute and good. Um, but then you will have a quarterback that you either draft in the first round or trade it back in the second round or third round to put the, the pressure on him. So I think with his struggles, especially in the Falcons game, he has forced the hand of the organization to look at the future of the quarterback position. And that'll probably be a draft pick. And we thought that he was the the continuity that we were looking for, um, but his performance through these six games has made us fans and the leadership rethink that. Yeah, I agree with a lot of things you just said. I do think they have to draft a quarterback no matter what in 2021, but I don't think it has to be. It doesn't have to be with their first pick. They don't have a second round pick, so I would like to see it be within one of the first three or four rounds, but it's not, you know, I guess, yeah, it is essential. They need to get someone who is at least a capable backup because that's <laughs> part of the problem right now is yeah. that Cousins doesn't feel any pressure. He, if he makes it, if he causes a, makes it, if he has a terrible throw, he knows he's not going to get benched. He said, he said the whatever last week, oh, uh, if I keep throwing interceptions, I'm, I'm going to get benched. No, no, he's not. The Vikings are not going to bench him for Sean Mannion. Okay. Um, Sean Mannion has never thrown a touchdown pass in his entire NFL career. And he's been in the league for like six years. Um, there's a reason they didn't keep Kyle Sloter. There's a reason why they didn't go after, you know, maybe someone this offseason like Case Keenum, because they didn't want someone to be behind Kirk Cousins to, you know, challenge him or, or give him, you know, make cause him to have jitters. Because I think that, that actually might even make Cousins worse. Because he, he'll get even more scared and trying to force even more because he's afraid of getting benched or whatever. So the Vikings are just making it easier for him to not think about that. But it's it's, it's starting to backfire because they don't have any any other options this year other than Cousins. Because they're not going to put in Sean Mannion. I saw people calling for Sean Mannion to be put in the game against the Falcons. And I just started laughing. I'm like, they're not going to do that. Like, And if they do, that's not going to solve anything. They're going to be even worse. And then the players in the offense are going to be like, why are they doing this? Um, so it's just that would just create a whole another set of problems. Um, it would be like it, it would be like Elf line into Samia where yeah, like, oh, yeah. for Christ's sake, let's cry. Let's try something different. And yeah. Then you, and, Samia, and you're like, oh, boy, let's go back to Elf line. I do put a lot of the blame on Cousins, but I do think a bunch of it has to do with the play calling, too, because he's not being put in a position to succeed. You look at what a lot of the stuff they ran last year with Stefanski calling a lot of rollouts, you know, a lot of, a lot of play action, a lot of under center stuff this year. It's a lot of shotgun, you know, a lot of, you know, five step drops. You're he's forcing cousins to make decisions on his own, which, you know, as bad as it sounds, he's not good at that. He needs <laughs> to know. He pretty much needs to know where the ball is going to go before the snap happens or just have like one or two targets, not 
you know, three or four to choose from because that's when things start to get dicey and he just makes terrible throws. Um, and so I think it has to do with that. I think it's interesting that the two play callers that have had the most success with the Vikings are the guys that actually listened to Mike Zimmer and followed his, you know, theory of, you know, emphasize the run and play action and then the defense will take care of it. And the guys who haven't had the most success are, um, you know, the people who've kind of gone on their own and been like, oh, I know how to do this. We'll, we'll focus on the pass. And that's been Gary Kubiak and John D. Filippo. And you can even look back at North Turner. Um, so that's that thing. So that relating to that, who do you think has the better, better chance to be with the Vikings in, in 2021, Kirk Cousins or Gary Kubiak? Oh, definitely Kirk Cousins. Yeah. There's, there is absolutely no way that he will, I guess I'm really putting myself on the line here, my reputation. There's no <laughs> way he will be cut. Uh, I mean, right. that would, that would be grounds for termination. Like the, the hour after he did that, uh, because it's just financial suicide, uh, for a team. So he's not going to be cut. I mean, you can, you can explore the trades and you do like a Brock Osweiler deal where, uh, you know, you pay somebody basically and draft capital to take him away and they'll absorb the salary, but he's not, he's not Osweiler was not a good quarterback outside of that little stretch he had in in his maiden voyage with the Broncos. So no, I I think that true to Zimmer form, uh, he'll put the onus on the offensive coordinator and that, that would be, uh, you know, Kubiak being jettisoned then we'd have to come to the realization that perhaps Kubiak just isn't uh young enough for this game or his ideas aren't working anymore um so yeah I would I would bet a lot of money on the fact that it would be Kubiak that goes before Cousins um and we've just because we've seen it before like uh when Turner unceremoniously resigned yep. in 2016 when everything was going to hell and then John DeFilippo John DeFilippo DeFilippo was well documented because he wouldn't <laughs> run the ball um, and the other thing that came to mind when you were talking there that on Cousins' performance that a lot of this could have been masked by the usual Vikings defense. Um, if you you wouldn't have put Cousins in the you know spots where he's forcing the ball, and then a couple of those interceptions have just been silly hail, hail marys um, that you know you can't really fault him for. They were just uh, throwing haymakers at the end of halves. Um, but historically, even in Zimmer's rookie year, uh, the defense has been formidable, and it's what his calling card is. So. Normally, those games aren't, you know, get behind by 20 points and then, you know, try to claw your way back in it because that's not Zimmer football. Uh, So all these mistakes that we're seeing from Cousins is also a byproduct of him taking a lot more chances because he knows the defense isn't going to do it. Um, Outside of, God, the first half of the Seahawks game, it was really the only time I've seen the Zimmer defense thinking, this is what I thought it was going to look like. I didn't think it was an absolute doomsday when uh, Hunter was going to be gone for three games because I thought Yannick and Afadi would do fine for three games. Lo and behold, it's the whole season now. But that first half of the Seahawks defense, uh, the Seahawks game, is exactly what I thought this defense would look like. So maybe maybe 12th, 11th, 12th best in the NFL, and then the offense would do its thing. Uh, but nope, another thing that I was wrong on, that it's uh, it's young and piecemealed together and, of course, injured. Um, so I think if this was the regular Zimmer defense, that Kirk's struggles would, would be minimized. But, you know, it's neither here nor there now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would even, I would cut, I've been trying to cut the the Vikings defense a little flack maybe this year because the offense has just struggled to stay on the field. Yeah. So that lack of time of possession, the the Vikings defense, they get off the field and three plays later, they got to be back on the field. So Mm -hmm. by the the time it comes to, you know, the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, they're gassed. So, you know, 
the offense struggling as much as they have has a, an effect on the entire team. And I think we're, we're seeing that, you know, it is a young defense. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to give up big plays. But like you said, against the Seahawks, they were, you know, able to stop them in the first half. And that even those three touchdowns they gave up, those were kind of fluky too, because they were bang, bang plays where the defense had to be back on the field. I think they scored like all those touchdowns within like two minutes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that was even, all it felt like even, yeah, I wouldn't even put all that on the defense. I know they gave them up, but, the offense not helping them out at all has to play a part in that. And then, you know, them you mentioned them having Yannick Ngakwe. He's no longer there. So we're going to see, you know, how that happens for the rest of the season. Their pass rush, you know, Daniel Hunter's out for the rest of the year. I I, I don't know who's going to rush the passer for the Vikings because Yannick Ngakwe, I think he had like half the team sacks so far this year. You know, they got a Fetty Odenabo. They got... DJ Wanham. This um, next this next game is going to be brutal because uh, one of the first things I wrote for the Viking Age back in June was in the numbers the only way that the Vikings beat Aaron Rodgers is by sacking him. I want to yeah. say it's like it's like when you sack him four times or more, they're I can't quote me exactly, but they're close to perfect, like nine zero and one or something. Yeah, and then when they don't, it's the exact opposite. They're winless and. Um, Afadi, I think, is a decent complimentary player that can start on most defensive uh, lines, but we don't even know who the guy is going to be on the other side, whether that's Jalen Holmes or DJ Wanham. And so I have nightmares about what this Packers game can look like because Rodgers, if he doesn't face any pass rush, which he probably won't, uh, then he's just going to do what he did in week one, just abuse, abuse the youngsters. And yeah, uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems with the defense is that normally Daniil is forcing so much pressure that it takes I mean it takes the pressure off of guys like last year like Xavier Rhodes who was awful last year and we still were able to have a top five defense with putrid cornerback play um, but the pass rush besides a little bit from unique hasn't been there so yeah it's gonna be uh, interesting to see I, I'm very very curious to see how they generate any sort of pressure yeah um, against the the Packers and Aaron Rodgers next week. All right, so we'll move on to the the next biggest topic in Vikings sure. land these days, which we've already talked a little bit about, and that's Mike Zimmer sure. as the uh, the team's head coach. This is easily the team's worst start to a season uh, with Zimmer as their head coach, and some some are ready to move on from him and go after someone you know you know hot name out there like Eric Bieniemy uh, to be the team's new head coach in as soon as twenty twenty one. Um, one, do you think, I think you already mentioned that Zimmer will make it to the end of the season as a Vikings head coach. Um, and, and if he does, do you think the team will bring him back in 2021 to, you know, give him another shot to kind of see if he can turn the, turn things around? Uh, yes. Um, I'm going to start off by saying this might surprise some people because, because I post or have posted so many Kirk Cousins statistics, it's just assumed that I am in love with the guy. Um, (laughs) I, I'm not, I've always thought he's a good quarterback. But if I had to like power rank my favorite Vikings quarterbacks, he wouldn't even be God in the top four or five. Uh, Bridgewater, I really liked. Uh, of course, Dante when I was a kid. Um, Christian Ponder, obviously. <laughs> I was pretty excited about him for the first couple games. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then, then I waited. I did the Treadwell thing where I waited and waited and it just mm-hmm. never showed up. So uh, the reason I make that point is because if you had to choose who does Dustin like more, Zimmer or Cousins, it's Cousins by like five football fields. Uh, really. So, Yes. And yeah, oh, Zimmer? Oh hell yeah. Yeah, I'm a oh, You said you said Cousins though. 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, scratch that. Oh, okay. uh, if I had to choose, you know, who's who are, who are your favorite on the pecking order? It's oh, okay. uh, uh, Zimmer. Okay, by okay. five football. I just, field. Want, I just wanted to clarify that because yep. I think that w- that would have been a hot take. Oh sure. yeah, that no, been, I can, no, that would have been flaming like boiling. <laughs> no, I've uh, I think Cousins is a good quarterback, and I think uh, Zimmer is a damn good coach. And my answer is bias because I just the way that I was raised or watched football. I prefer defensive football, so I love watching like Steelers and Ravens games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so when we before we found Zimmer, we had this stretch of three years that was reminiscent of like the 2001, 2002 Vikings where we didn't tackle. And if the game was going to be won, it had to be a shootout um, in this era that I'm talking about, uh, 11 to 13. Uh, it was just Adrian. Hopefully he could do mm-hmm. enough um, in, in the, the 2001, 2002 era. It was just throwing the ball with Dante. Uh, so I... I was mesmerized when they finally got a defensive coach. And up until this September, it's worked out fairly swimmingly. So I full-throated advocate uh, Zimmer's retention because I know that he's a good football coach. And folks that are like, oh, yeah, he sucks or, you know, he's too old for the game or it's passed him by. It's just ridiculous uh, because he's been a beacon of consistency for these six point something years since he's been here. Um, of course, it's not gone well this year. Uh, but Brian McKinney on my show talked about he's like, people are really saying they want him fired. And I was like, well, yeah, all you have to do is hop onto Twitter for less than 10 seconds. And it's folks calling for his head. And he's like, yeah, but isn't this his first bad season? So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. this is Brian putting in perspective for me. I was like, yeah, outside of his rookie year where he turned around a team that was crap into seven and nine like this is the first time that we've looked inept under mike zimmer and so many folks want to give him the hook um i know that there is an allure to go get sean mcveigh or to get eric Bieniemy or you know that type of young sexy play caller offensive guy but all we ever do is talk about when that works and mm-hmm. then we don't talk about the adam gase decisions when it doesn't work it's kind of like the paying the running back uh, running backs big money mike we tice fo- brad childress yeah Leslie we fo- frazier yeah, we focus on the times where, uh, you know, for our, for the validity of our argument, we, we point to the times where things work out. So, like, if you're not a fan of paying a running back, you go you go point at Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell and yeah. say, look, look what happened with them. But you never acknowledge the antithesis to your argument because um, it would expose what you're trying to say. So, yes, I think that Zimmer, because of coronavirus, no home field advantage, what Spielman should be accountable for on the defensive turnover on the roster that you can't put this in Zimmer's lap and say, what a terrible coach. Uh, he, he's shown um, through these six years that you know he is a good coach. And uh, it's also this misnomer that we go get a young guy and you're going to go win a Super Bowl because the guy is young. I've never understood the coherence of that argument. Um, I know it would be exciting to have Eric Bieniemy. I get it. And of course, I would cheer for it. It's kind of like the drafting a quarterback, trading up for Trevor Lawrence or doing something, you know, drafting a quarterback in the first 10 picks of course i'll get excited about it. i'll write about it till i'm blue in the face um yep. but i'm trying to be objective that you don't need to draft a quarterback in the top you know 10 picks for it to right. succeed um and then with zimmer what i will say is if we come out in 2021 and here we are again at one and five or two and seven then yes it's time to move on the product has gotten stale but i do believe he deserves one year of leeway here um are Zimmer and Spielman on the same page? Yes, I, uh, I'm i pretty confident. I have sources, which are just high school friends, <laughs> uh, that uh, say that those two are buddies. Okay. And I, I think I, I can't remember if I wrote about it 
or have just said it out loud. I, I don't think that one goes without the other. Now, right. I could be wrong. Um, this is just based on, you know, hearsay. Um, but I'm pretty sure that those two are linked at the hip in terms of their decision making. Um, I don't think that Spielman will fire Zimmer. I think it would either be a package deal. Yeah. Uh, but that again, that's just speculation. Yeah, I um, there's just been some maybe some questionable decisions recently that make me wonder if if Spielman's kind of maybe making a decision on his own without so much of Zimmer's input. You look at Kirk Cousins. The, I posted a clip recently of of Zimmer at his his combine pre- press conference before the Vikings signed Kirk Cousins, saying he didn't want to maybe invest a ton of money in in one player and take it away from what they've been doing so well over the years and then they went and did that um and then you look maybe look at someone like everson griffin who mike zimmer said over and over and over again that they wanted him to come back and then they just weren't able to do that and and it makes me kind of wonder is it coming from spielman or is i'm trying i'm starting to think maybe the cousin signing was more ownership yeah than 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 anything else they didn't want to maybe in bring Teddy back and risk him getting hurt and then the team not doing well or bring Case Keenum back. I know Zimmer didn't want to bring Case Keenum <laughs> back at all. He had no desire to do that. As much as people are like, you just bring him back. No, Zimmer was not bringing him back. Um, but I yeah, think the I mean, Cousins it, it, thing just had to do more with the people maybe a little higher than Spielman and, and Zimmer and and looking at it and looking at the, the broader picture of how you know the marketing and all that stuff, and how how this team could be a Super Bowl contender, and so yeah. there's just I think there's a lot of things that have gone in the, these last couple of years that us as Vikings fans don't know about, and we're blaming people for things that probably aren't their fault. Yeah, I think with Zimmer, <laughs> you made me laugh about the Case Keenum thing. I think we were like ten and three or eleven and three in twenty seventeen. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, you and, made a start. Yeah, and each week, <laughs> each week he wouldn't sing his phrases. He would, they would ask him who's the starter next week because Bridgewater was ready to go, mm-hmm. and he would never commit. <laughs> and this was like a team. That, think about it now that we're sitting at one and five. Think about being eleven and three and not sure if that guy is going to be your quarterback. I don't even it's think abs- he committed to him starting in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. So the deal is Zimmer. Uh, if you study, you know, his philosophy since he got here is all he wants is a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over. Uh-huh. It doesn't matter if that guy is a dink and dunker. That guy is a game manager. All he wants is a guy that doesn't screw up because he has total faith in a regular version of his defense that's healthy that that's going to win the game. That's why I was so flabbergasted in the Seattle game when we went for it on fourth and one to with Madison because mm-hmm. normally Zimmer's pedig- pedigree is to... Oh yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna kick this field goal and play defense. I we was need a, we need a I whole we need done. a whole episode for that one. Yeah, I was absolutely floored. I was okay with it because it showed he you know had some testicles on him. Yeah, but I was like, holy crap! So no, if I think in that Parcelsian way of football, all Zimmer wants is a quarterback that doesn't fumble and doesn't throw picks. And with Bridgewater, we saw a guy who was maturing that was uh, coming into that. Bradford, even though he wasn't overly pro- prolific or healthy, he didn't really turn it over too much. And then that's what he didn't like about Keenum because Keenum played that mini Brett Favre ball, that playground style, which was fun to watch. But uh, when he went to, when Keenum went to Denver, my best friends, the Broncos fans, I told him this. I said, there's, there's two dumb throws without fail every game. It's, it's, he just throws up balls that often Thielen would go grab them, which made it look great. 
But it was it was hilarious to see how Zimmer would not would not go to the altar with Keenum whatsoever because it was just that <laughs> playground like fifth grade with your friends uh, style. Now um, Stefanski's yeah. got him. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, it just I don't I I don't know where the Vikings go with Cousins from here. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's I would put it at probably a seventy percent chance that he's back in 2021 unless someone like the 49ers or someone else comes along, maybe the Cowboys and, and trades for him. Um, they can't release him because that's like 30, 30 to 40 million in dead cap. And the Vikings, as good as they are with the salary cap, they're not Mm-mm. going to do that. No one is good enough to do that, especially with the, you know, the salary cap is expected to decrease <laughs> next year or remain the same with the, the COVID impact because no one can go to the games. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, before I get you out of here, uh, I would just like to ask you one last thing, and that would be to predict what do you think the Vikings' final record is going to be for for this season? I've studied this, so most of the, the predictions that I make are based on history. Um, I try to subtract my emotion out of it. It's difficult for uh, for the Viking stuff um, because I'm so optimistic at times and I'm given reason to be optimistic at times. Um, but normally teams that start off like this finish five and 11. Um, I do see, I've talked a lot about the maturity on the fly of this defense. I do see it getting better, but that was when Yannick was able to force some pressure. So man, if I had to say we're sitting here right after new year's, what it will be, we got an easy part of the schedule coming up too. Um, when we're playing normal or good, we thought, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, we could be easy for the other team. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's the Colts and Falcons games are reminders of that. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, so we got a <laughs> ten games left. I say we go five hundred. So six and ten is the final the final record. Okay. Yeah, I think optimistic. It, it sucks, but optimistic is seven and nine. Yeah. Then I think more realistic is is probably around that that five and eleven range. Um. You know, if they play the rest of the season, who knows? They they will. There's too much money in the, the line, game that so. I'm least looking forward to. Believe it or not, is not the Packer game. It's Carolina. That, no, it's that it's the Bucks game because that's an outdoor game. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, it's uh, Tom it's Brady against the team with a winning record. It's it has all of these statistical Antonio factors Brown. that are yeah they're just damning for the Vikings. We never beat Brady. We never play well on grass. We never play well in three o'clock time slot. Uh, teams against winning records. It's like four or five things that I'm like, oh god, that one's not going to go well. No matter, not going to be if we're sitting here six and zero right now. It's just like this uh, feeling that I get when I see a game like that on the schedule. Um, the Packer game. I'll leave you with this. Um, gosh, if if they're if they came out and looked com- <laughs> completely you like know they are. you know they are. No, if they come out and it's like something chaotic or I mean catastrophic, like forty one nothing, forty nine nothing. That that would be very if the team if Zimmer has lost the team, mm-hmm. then I could see the rumblings where Spielman's hand would be forced. But thing that's weird about coaches is we never know what their contracts are. We never know. I mean, he's just extended. We don't know if that means anything. He got um, yeah, he got three three year extension. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. And, and coaches contracts are fully guaranteed. So oh, that's gonna okay. that, that plays into a well, part. I learned something uh, that yeah. I did not know before. Okay, well, are, that, yeah, that plays into that's it a big too. factor. They're not yeah. going to pay, especially in a year where they're probably not going to make that much revenue if they make any at all. <laughs> yeah, they're probably not about to let a coach go that they're going to owe a lot any, of money. 
Do you see any scenario you've watched this team for a very long time where they come out and beat the Packers? You know, I that's what I would thought you were just about to say. And I was oh. like, you you know, they're going to do that. They're going to give us some hope. <laughs> yeah. Come and beat the Packers. And then whoever they play the next week, I think they might play. <laughs> who do they play after that? It's the Lions. Um, they got Adrian the Lions. Yeah. And then they're going to lose to the Lions. So <laughs> that's that's what they do. You've watched this team long enough to know that that they'll 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 really they'll really in and then you know kick yeah. you right kick you right in the stomach just when you think you know things are about to go right. You in can go in back fairness to, one, to Zimmer, in yeah. fairness to Zimmer, that was more of a pre-Zimmer trait. Um, Zimmer has made this team a lot more. Oh, I, I don't know. You look at 2017; they were going to the Super Bowl, right? They needed one game to beat the the Eagles without well, the starting yeah, quarterback, but, and then they get blown yeah. out. Yeah. Well, so I, I think there's still I, some of that element. They, I wasn't surprised. I was very optimistic that they could beat the Eagles, but when it started to go down like that, I was like, "Oh, yep, this is not a surprise," because yeah. I, I, I finally felt the halo was coming off Keenum, which mm-hmm. I, I liked Keenum and I still like him, but I that whole season I just kept waiting for him yeah. to go back to who he was, and it just never yeah. really happened. And then it wasn't completely his fault in the NFC Championship game. Um, the defense was to blame too. God, that I think about that game again when Rudolph scored that first quarter touchdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Holy hell, we're gonna do this!" <laughs> I was like, "I cannot believe it." And then play Tom I, Brady I, in U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, be crazy. Yep. And then I remember, uh, man, I think it was just fast forward to like the halftime, maybe a third quarter, and it was completely upside down. I told my wife, I was like, "That Rudolph touchdown feels like 15 <laughs> days ago." I mean, emotionally, I was like, "Oh my god!" So yeah, that's what I, I got. Know. What was it like twenty four to seven at the half? I can't. I yeah, know. yeah. I know. It, it, I know the final score was thirty eight to seven. A couple people have reminded me about that. <laughs> it just uh, felt like just... eons at that point. Um, that first drive was so stupendous, and it felt like, God, we're gonna go host the Super Bowl in our building. Yeah, that was less than two years, less than three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe it? Now they're now they're one and five. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for us today, Dustin. Once again, make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Dust Baker. He's a must follow for Vikings fans for sure. So. Make sure to follow him. Also, make sure to follow and subscribe to this show, the Viking Age Podcast, on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, to close out the show, Dustin, I need you to give me your best skull. Can you do that for me? Sure. Skull! Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.